Welcome to the Field Goals Podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz, and it is less than 24 hours until the Seahawks kick off at 10 a.m. Pacific time in Cleveland on Sunday. And we're going to be taking a look at the injury reports for both teams heading into this week six game. And we'll hear from Pete Carroll from his Friday afternoon press conference. So coming out of Friday's practice, there was some unexpected injury news, and it resulted in a couple of roster moves for the Seahawks. After being listed as having a neck injury a couple weeks back, Ethan Posick's injury designation changed to a mid-back problem, but it looked like he was about to make it back when he was listed as a full participant on Thursday in practice. But on Friday's injury report, he didn't practice, and he was listed as out for the game on Sunday. And then as we watch the transaction wire on Friday, we find out that Ethan Posick now placed on injured reserve. Jordan Roos, signed from the practice squad, will take Ethan Posick's roster spot. Now, another move they made is interesting because I think it has something to do with another injury issue. The Seahawks waive free safety Adrian Colbert. He was recently brought onto the practice squad from the San Francisco 49ers. They moved him up to the 53-man roster. Now they waive him. And they bring up Jacob Hollister, tight end from the practice squad. Now, we thought Hollister might get brought up from the practice squad a couple weeks ago because Nick Vanette was traded to the Steelers. Instead, the Seahawks signed Luke Wilson. But now they're bringing up Hollister. And I think it has to do with the fact that Dwayne Brown, who is out all week with a biceps injury, he's now listed as doubtful for Sunday's game. And listening to Pete Carroll's press conference coming up, you'll hear him actually use the word heroic when talking about Brown's ability to play against the Rams on Thursday night. So if Dwayne Brown can't go, now the Seahawks, they have a couple of options. Unfortunately, they would have more options if DJ Fluker were healthy, but he was out all week with a hamstring injury, also listed as doubtful along with Dwayne Brown. We saw Jamarco Jones come in and play really well at that right guard spot in place of DJ Fluker. But if you go back to the preseason, it was Jamarco Jones who was primarily playing that left tackle spot. It was the position that he played at Ohio State in college. So if Dwayne Brown can't go, you could see Jamarco Jones at that left tackle spot, or you could see George Fant move from tight end and play the left tackle spot. Now, it's a little tough to predict because George Fant He had an ankle injury early on in the preseason, so we didn't get to see the kind of snaps that he was taking in the preseason to kind of be able to judge, okay, do they think of him as a backup right tackle, backup left tackle, does it really matter? Majority of his snaps so far have come at tight end this year, or kind of that sixth offensive lineman. So I'm thinking, with this roster move to bring Jacob Hollister up as tight end, it might signal the fact that they see George Fant backing up Dwayne Brown at left tackle, and keeping Jamarco Jones at right guard if neither Dwayne Brown nor DJ Fluker can play their starting spots this week against Cleveland. If you look at what the Seahawks have on their depth chart, it is George Fant at right tackle behind Jermaine Effetti. It's Jamarco Jones behind Dwayne Brown, and then it was Ethan Posick who was at either guard spot, as well as the third backup center, Joey Hunt, the backup center. But we've also seen Joey Hunt play some guards, so there is that potential there as well. As Pete Carroll says in the press conference, we're just going to have to wait and see. But if I had to guess, and Dwayne Brown can't go, if DJ Fluker can't go, I'm thinking George Fant at left tackle, Upati left guard, Justin Britt at center, Jamarco Jones at right guard, and Jermaine Effetti at right tackle. And having George Fant at left tackle 
Effetti at right tackle, going up against Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. It could make it tough for Russell Wilson on Sunday. And looking at some of the other injury updates, yes, there's more. Brandon Jackson didn't practice on Wednesday with a neck injury, but then on Thursday and Friday, he was a full participant in practice, so it looks like Brandon Jackson will be good to go against the Browns. I mentioned DJ Fluker. He and Wayne Brown were the only two who didn't participate in practice all week. They're both listed as doubtful going into this game. Pete Carroll says they're going to make the trip to Cleveland, so there is that possibility still. Chris Carson on Thursday was listed as a limited participant in practice, but then he was a full participant on Friday. Rashad Penny listed as a full participant in practice on both Thursday and Friday with a hamstring injury and then listed as questionable going into the game against the Browns. Looking over at the Cleveland Browns injury report. Tackle Kendall Lamb with a knee injury and cornerbacks Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams both listed with hamstring injuries. All three of those players were limited participants in practice all week and are questionable for Sunday's game. And so I think one of the big questions is, will the Browns have their starting corners back in this game against Seattle? If I had to guess, I'm going to say no, because they didn't participate at all last week in any of the practices. And then this week, they're only limited in practice. So not quite yet for either the tackle or the two corners. None of those players have had a a practice where they were fully participating, which makes me think that they might be a week off. The Browns play the Patriots next week, then they have their bye, so they might just hold off with getting their starting corners back in the lineup. Odell Beckham Jr. with a hip injury, Rashad Higgins with a knee injury, both listed as full participation in practice all week. They're going to be good to go for Sunday's game against the Seahawks. And then the only other player to show up on the Browns injury report, former Washington Cougar Daniel Equale with a knee injury. He was a full participant in practice, but he did show up on the injury report there for that day. Going to be good to go for Sunday's game. All right, so now that we've got all of the injury updates in, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll listen in to Pete Carroll's Friday afternoon press conference. So now getting into Pete Carroll's Friday press conference, let's kick it off with his opening remarks. Uh, in case you guys didn't know, we're going to Cleveland and uh, we're leaving today and the guys are ready to roll. We had a fantastic week, um, very upbeat throughout the week coming off the Thursday and uh, everybody's really tuned in and, and it, it worked out right. Uh, so um, looking forward to it and expecting them to be at their best. And uh, it, we have, they got a bunch of problems they present for us. So we're, hopefully we've got it worked out and, uh, we, can, we can put together a good ball game. And from there, the questions started in on the offensive line, particularly with Dwayne Brown and his status going into Sunday. Uh, he's going to go in doubtful right now. I mean, that means that when you're as optimistic as I am, that there's a chance. There's a chance. He, didn't, he couldn't practice today. And Pete was asked if Brown's injury is a new one or the same one, but getting worse. It's a bicep injury. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not responding as, as well as we would hope. Coach Carroll was asked about what it's been like for Brown working through that biceps injury, and Pete gets into just how hurt he was playing in that Thursday night game with Los Angeles. Last week, the game he, he played uh, Thursday night, that was heroic. I mean, to, he just toughed it out. It was hard, and it wasn't uh, really uncomfortable for him, but he just wouldn't say anything about it and finished the game and got it done. And, and uh, um, you know, he knew that, it, you know, that he – he was hurt. He knew it, and he played with it and, and made it through it. And so we got to take care of him and make sure. Sometimes the guys are so tough that they don't let us know what's going on. And, and uh, you know, we 
Now, that's not the right way to say that because it isn't that he didn't let us know, but he just toughed his way through is what happened. So uh, it couldn't have been more admirable the way he pulled, pulled off a great game for us. So with the fact that Jamarco Jones is listed as Dwayne Brown's backup, Coach Kerr was asked if he prefers to keep Jamarco Jones at the right guard spot going into this game. Got I'm still working on that. I'm going to get that worked out. If you don't mind, we'll let you know on the weekend. There may be an edge there somewhere for us. I'm not sure there is, but if there is, we're gonna we're reaching for it. Okay, <laughs> small edge, little teeny edge, but we're reaching for it. And we're gonna wait. So Pete Carroll calls it a small teeny edge. So is that maybe a reference to Joey Hunt filling in at guard? Now I have my suspicions because this part of Pete Carroll's answer was taken out of the transcript of the press conference. So maybe maybe that's where they're looking at Pete Carroll's dropping us. A little tiny hint there. But if George Fant is needed at one of those backup offensive lineman roles, one of the questions to Pete Carroll was if there's anyone else that practices George Fant's role and what he's been doing through the first five weeks of the season. You're asking questions I don't want to answer. <laughs> you know? Okay. But they're good questions, though. They're good questions. Yeah. Just wait and see. With the Seahawks' two top running backs, Chris Carson and Rashad Penny, showing up on the injury report, Pete addressed the question of Chris Carson showing up on the injury report. He came back, he's fine today. Yeah, practiced the whole thing today. And he also addressed the injury to Rashad Penny. We're still, he's got a hamstring thing that we're, that's why it's questionable on on the list there. Um, So. So with all these changes being made on the offensive line, one of the questions was if Russell Wilson is going to have to be doing more when it comes to these changes on the offensive line. And Pete Carroll shifts the focus more toward Justin Britt. Um, it, it, it calls on everybody to be to be on it, you know, and that's uh, uh, Britt has to have a really good game for us. He, he's got to really do a great job in the middle of all of it, and uh, he and Russ have to communicate really well. Um, if if uh, Dwayne's not able to play, you know, you lose a lot of experience and a lot of vision that he has that he shares, and and uh, you know the perception he has is you know extremely unique and you're going to miss some of that so other guys have to compensate right with the quarterback for sure but i I would put a lot of uh focus on justin britt's got to do a really good job this week russell wilson clearly playing at a high level through the first five weeks of the season they're going to need another big game from him again on sunday to come out of cleveland with a win so is there something he'd like to see russell wilson focus and improve on as he continues on through the season there is stuff. There, there's stuff that we're working on. It's really, um, you know, pre-snapping situations so that he knows where the ball should go. You know, he's really definitive about that sometimes. You know, he could, he could be more definitive there. It just will make him more you know, focused on that throw in particular. And, you know, and people are mixing looks and stuff in third down and second and passing downs. You know, um, they're trying to fool you. And, he's, you know, he's trying to detect what they're, you know, what they're showing. And so uh, he He's continues to he's really good at it, but he can continue to get better at that. And and you know when you get it and you get it right, then you can really hurt a defense. You know if you know what they're doing and you really can tell, then we can take full advantage of that. That's the that's the cat and mouse uh, chess game, whatever you know for for the quarterback. He could he could be better at that. Um, we need to get our third down numbers up. We're not converting like we need to. And and uh, Russ is right in the middle of all that. You know so we're working hard on that. The Seahawks right now are ranked 22nd in the NFL in third down conversion percentage. That is ahead of the Cleveland Browns, though, that are ranked 28th at 28.6%. On the road this season, that's just two games on the road for the Seahawks, but they do have a higher conversion rate on third down, 39%. 
And if you look at the Cleveland Browns, they're actually a little bit lower on their third down conversion percentage at home, 27%. Last week against the 49ers, the Cleveland Browns, only 9% of their third downs were converted. Now on the defensive side of the ball, the Seahawks defense, that's actually one of the areas that their defense is among the top in the league at. Listed at number six in the NFL, just behind the Cleveland Browns, actually, 31.5% is what they're allowing their opponents to convert their third downs. And Pete Carroll was asked about his defense and if he's going with the quote-unquote bend but don't break strategy with the defense. Bend but don't break? I think I've referred to it as a rope-a-dope at times, which is a favorable phrase of mine. But um, no, we don't want to bend but don't break. That's not really what we're looking at. We're just trying to keep them from scoring fast, first off. And then we'd like to control the line of scrimmage and keep the running game in control and then play really good on third down. And with all that happening, if we can get the football now, we got a chance. And, and so that's really kind of how it goes. Bend but don't break, is uh, that's a nice way of saying that you know they put up a lot of yards, but you still won. <laughs> you know, That's kind of what happened. And going back to that game against the Rams, looking at the Rams' last drive before the missed field goal, they only had one third down. A third and one, it resulted in an 11-yard catch by Robert Woods. They get the first down. Fortunately, they're able to hold on third and 15 with 20 seconds left in the game that resulted in Greg Zerline coming on the field and missing a 44-yard kick. Coach Carroll was asked what he thinks the defense needs to tighten up on after that last drive in the Rams game. Yeah, that, the, we were in a two-minute mode, you know, and, and we need to do better there. That, that's uh, We had three opportunities, and one of them was really good, and two of them weren't, you know, and so uh, it's got to do better. And, and we there's things that we're working on to make sure that we're, you know, we're more aggressive in the situation so that we can keep moving the football, you know, and, and uh, we're really disappointed in the last drive in that game in particular. Although we're not talking about that game, but we're, you know, since you asked. All right, so moving back to this game against the Browns, what is he expecting from the Seahawks' defensive line going into this game? Well, this is a running game feature. You know, this is one of the top running games and running backs in the, in the NFL. Uh, Nick Chubb is really good, and we have to do everything we can to keep him from controlling the football game. Um, the big game they had against the Ravens, they scored a bunch of points. You know, Nick was going crazy in that game, and, and uh, we can't let that happen. You know, we have great respect for, for him, and, and their system allows him to be really good. they got a lot of good stuff that they do with him that, to feature his talent and all that. So those guys up front, it starts there. You know, they've got to play really good, and that means they have to play really disciplined technique. And, and uh, when we get into passing downs, then we got, to, you know, we got to make sure we can find a quarterback, find a way there. So I, what I'm hoping happens is we continue to be more efficient and we, we, you know, we run our games cleaner and sharper and take more, uh, uh, you know, get more benefit out of the fact that we're twisting and turning and the things that we're doing. We've been a little bit shabby at times, you know, and, and we can get better at all that stuff. It takes time. The guys working together, you know, and so that's why I've been kind of patient with the thought that we're going to improve as we go. And, and um, you know, Ziggy's just played a little bit and, and, and JD's just played a little bit this year, you know, and I think those guys can get a lot better. Um, they missed the off season and they missed, all of the camp and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it, that stuff matters. You know, it matters to them and, and physically and, and uh, schematically as well as just how they, you know, feel the game coming. So it, it's uh, we should get better. You know, we'll hope so. If not, you know, we're going to have to figure out other ways to get, get to the quarterback. So Pete Carroll clearly dialed in on the idea of trying to get pressure on Baker Mayfield in this game. And there's a good reason for that. Going back to Baker Mayfield's game against the San Francisco 49ers, he was under pressure for 14 of his 26 dropbacks, so more than half. 
And when he was under pressure, completed only one pass out of 10 attempts. That one pass went for 25 yards, but two of those 10 passes were interceptions. And he was sacked on four of those 14 dropbacks. Another important note, the 49ers, they didn't have to get pressure while blitzing. Only six blitzes out of those 26 dropbacks. Week four, it was a little bit different story for Mayfield. They were able to run the ball well. The Ravens didn't get a lot of pressure. Baker only under pressure seven out of his 32 dropbacks against the Ravens. And so when he was under pressure, he was able to complete 60% of his passes, went three for five, and one of those for a touchdown. Week three against the Rams, 39 dropbacks. Baker was under pressure 18 times, so again, almost half. Four of 15 in those situations. 27% completion percentage, had an interception, sacked three times. Against the Jets, a similar story. 38 dropbacks, under pressure for 16 of them. Five of 13 on those passes, 39%. Surely Pete Carroll sees the trend here, so he's going to want to get pressure on Baker Mayfield. But shifting gears, we're going to close out with some officiating questions because one of the things we're starting to see, Thursday night game between the Patriots and the Giants, we saw a pass to Golden Tate that was challenged. It clearly looked like he was interfered with. The officials stay with the call on the field. And one of the things that's interesting to note is that you look back to that game against the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pete Carroll's challenged pass interference play in that one game has been the only one that has been overturned so far this season. And Pete was asked to address how he felt about it. We're getting a better feel for it and a better sense for what, what we can expect out of it. You still, there's a, still a, a risk in there. You know, it's not, not you, if you play it really safe, yeah, you can have a sure bet, you know, but we're going to push it and see if we can figure it out and, and make some sense of these, you know, these opportunities. I'm obviously kind of willing to do that and, and we're learning as we go, but I feel a lot more confident in, in, the process and kind of what to expect from the officials now uh, that we've had, you know, number of games behind us. So we should be better at it as we go. So is coach Carroll seeing any variance between officials on what will and won't be overturned? No, because all of those things go back to New York. So it's, you know, it doesn't really have that much to do with the guys on the field. It has to do with New York. And so that's the good part of the, the format is that we, you know, we're going to, we're going to have enough information here mid-year, and we'll, we'll know the second half of the season really what to expect. And I think we can be really accurate with what we're, the decisions and the choices that we make. And that's what I'm hoping for. All right, so there it is. Pete Carroll's Friday press conference. A lot of news items coming out of that. You're going to want to check out fieldgoals.com. John Gilbert covering a lot of those news items there. And if you haven't checked it out already, be sure and tune in to the preview show of the Seahawks matchup with the Browns. I talked to Jim Harold, a longtime Cleveland Browns fan, about his feelings going into this game and how he's feeling about the Browns so far this season. So appreciate you tuning in. If you want to help support the show, you can go to getintheflock.com. And I'll be back on Sunday after the game to help break down what we saw on Sunday between the Seahawks and the Browns. All coming up right here. Fieldgoals.com. Subscribe to the show. SBNation.com slash NFL podcast. And we'll talk to you next time. Go Hawks. Hawks.